There is hope for us yet. We are young, we are wet. I am Laura McCallum. And this is Home Podcast. Hey. Hello, hello. Happy Monday. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. How's your hair? My hair is fucking awesome. It's only taken 20 haircuts. Um, <laughs> no, it was really funny. I went in. Okay, so I, because I was in San Francisco, I went and had Helen. <laughs> I love this. Um, I went and had Helen um, do my hair, and then when I was leaving after my haircut, she did a square bob, and she said, if it does that, like, sticky thingy, you know, like, come back and let me know, and, like, I went to, I got to my friend Danny's that night, we were playing with my hair, and, I, and then the next morning, I was like, nope, gotta fix it, like, it's gonna do that thing, and so I went and um, went back in that day, and, like, she and I had this total sit down for about a half an hour, where she informed me that what I've been asking for for the last seven years is wrong. Um, and that she's always overridden what I've actually <laughs> asked for and done what she knows I'm actually wanting. And that this, anyway, so it was just like this really funny thing. And I felt awful, but also it felt really good because as she was cutting my hair, she told me how difficult she is when it comes to getting her hair cut. Um, and so now I don't feel bad about being like the most pain right. in the ass, you know, um, hair customer. And my hair looks fucking, I have no hair, but my hair looks, it looks, looks awesome. So anyway. Um, it looks cute. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, You're not supposed to stop saying so anyway. Like, you don't want to tell your stories because they are good stories. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? You're like, so anyway. So stop. anyway. Um, no, it's, well, it's, okay, so here's the thing. I, like, it's it's interesting, but good, um, being feeling really good about my hair is an indicator of, of how happy I am in life. And so, and it's sad, but it's true. Um, so yeah. I just... Yeah, I'm I have certain things like that too. I get it. <laughs> anyway, all right. So I'll stop saying anyway. So, and you tell me. <laughs> we have to start this over. No, why? <laughs> it's terrible. Is it? Yes. Really? Maybe not. I think it's um, fine. I'm not going to start over. Okay. Right. So no. What are I'm... you doing? What's going on with you? Tell me. I am great. It's Monday. It's, um, I, I feel good. I have had, I got my, you kind of kicked my ass about writing and then I subsequently kicked my own ass. And I, since last week, whenever that was, I've written a bunch, um, which has been good. And also did step five with my sponsor yesterday for people listening that have any idea what that means. Uh, it's it's a big step. It's usually the one where people get stalled and stop. And, you know, it only took me two years to do it, but I did it and that felt good and exhausting. And I'm, I just feel ready. I feel ready today to um, do I mean, the things. Okay, so step five is, it's the, um, it's inventory of what? Mm-hmm. Step five is, so step four is where you make a list of all your resentments towards others and basically walk through what, why you were resentful, what that brought out in you, what, um, what fear was beneath it. 
and what your part in all of it was. Um, so for example, I had a resentment against, I thought I didn't have very many, many resentments, which was the funny yeah, thing. <laughs> Turns out I have a couple, um, I say, for example, I had one against this woman that I <clears throat> knew in AA in the beginning. And I have been stuck about it. I think I've talked about it on this show before. I had been really stuck on it and kind of not willing to see that I had done anything, quote unquote, wrong. Like, I didn't really know what my part was other yeah. than I couldn't stop feeling angry and shitty about it. And, and judgy, like wishing that she was suffering shit like that, that I know is not spiritually <laughs> like very cool, but I just was. You know, wanting other people to suffer for hurting me is totally spiritual. No. Yeah. I mean, what, what, <laughs> what else is there really? So I, I was kind of eager to work through that because I want, I want to be done with it. Um, so, so it's, it's all those things. And we talked for four hours and we didn't even get through everything and I was exhausted but it's you know it's good I mean my the the re, one of the reasons I was really and I'm saying this just in case you know anyone um I've also lost my words just in case anyone may identify with this I there's a you know one of the things in AA or the <clears throat> the sort of themes is victimization and thinking that everybody else and everything else is, is the problem and not you. Right. And uh, that never resonated with me. I have always thought it was my fault and I'm the problem right. and always took the blame for everything. And neither of those, neither of those sides are particularly healthy but I just didn't identify with it. So when people say resentments, it was like, I don't know that I'm that resentful. You know, I thought I'd work through big things like, like with my dad and with um, my ex-husband and with the first guy I slept with that I got pregnant, you know, with and et cetera, et cetera. I thought I, and I have actually worked through a lot of it. A lot of it was just very confirming. It was saying, okay, this is a person I know I have a lot of stuff with. I am not resentful today, but this is why I was. And this is how I, this is what I was afraid of. And this was my part in it. And there was something new and revealing about each of those pieces. And what I saw that I didn't see before were just themes. You know, these are the thing, these are the themes of where my fear resides. These are the general themes of where I God, I hate this word and I'll forever hate it is character defects. There's right. gotta be a better thing, but yeah. yeah. Oh, but this is what, you know, minor they're, they've been the same <laughs> throughout time, you know, <clears throat> and it's just good to see those things. So that felt like a really big deal. It is a big deal. And it it's a, big a really big thing for my writing process too. It was honestly one of the motivators to do it. And it was funny. It was, hold on. It was a motivator to do it because you wanted to free up your... <sighs> because I wanted to... I The more I know about what I'm up to and what my story is, 
and what, um, what has happened, the better I can write about it. There are still some areas where I'm really, really stuck when it comes to my mom, when it comes to my ex-husband. I don't really know yet. A lot of, there are a lot of things that are still unavailable to me. I don't know the story. So the writer in me was like, you know, like Glennon, I think when we had her on was saying, you know, when she went through, when she found out that Craig had um, been, that there was infidelity, part of her was, of course, crushed beyond belief and in more pain than she's ever been in. But the writer in her was like, oh, this is going to be good. Yeah, (laughs) it's true. It's funny because I've been, a lot of my shorter stuff and my, um, like my more frequent writing happens on Instagram. My, mm-hmm. like, I do Kumbos mm-hmm. as many blogs. Yeah. And lately I've just been reposting shit and like writing like, yep, and this and exactly. Right. And right. it's, it's because right now is a pretty, you know, I've been through some stuff, but also I've kind of like, I've, I'm, um, I'm not feeling much, right? Like I've been through stuff and now yeah. I'm in action mode and next yeah. mode. Yeah. And so I'm like, I'm, I don't, I'm not tapping in. I'm not depressed. I'm not heartbroken. I'm not, I'm not feeling much. I'm just getting shit done. And so I don't have much to say. And it was funny because I was lying here last night and I posted something. I was like, this is so boring, you know, um, because it's true. But it's like not. when we have, it's not boring, but it's, but it's very true when, when stuff, when I get knocked, um, it tends to be, or when I get like, when I have that, you know, that feeling of like that woof of like, oh, I've yeah. got to get this out and something fills you up and then it just like spews out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so good. It is, it is the right, like it's, you know, the, the me is, yeah, but the writer, right. It has its material and, and, and I, I, it's like the, it's the best part of it. To be honest. Yeah. And I, oh, that's so, it's so like, this is such a good point to dork out on for a little while because it's like, you, what I have learned is you can't write a book from that. An entire, I can't write an entire book from that <laughs> adrenaline place. No, <laughs> but no. I, but Hey, I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, it's the, you know, just because I can write blog posts and blog posts and blog posts, blog posts do not make, make a book. I mm-hmm. am learning and it's, unless you're Seth Godin, unless you're Seth Godin. Um, and there have been many books that have been like just, Warrior flex- was kind of a, Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. anyway, my but point not is the book that I, you're writing. It it I know, but my it's it has been um like I need to breathe into these spaces that aren't just like wounds anymore, that they're parts that have maybe been healed or I've worked through, but to like to understand on a deeper level. Because what I have seen is what I know about myself is I can be extremely full of shit. I mean extremely full of shit about my own stuff and when I write and I'm full of shit it stinks oh god I know I know I do know I do know and you it's like it's so interesting because I always know if I send something to you and it's from that full of shit place it's Mm -hmm. do you know and you usually Mm -hmm. can smell it and and vice versa Mm -hmm. um it's great. It's you're right. It's like truth serum writing about it because you can't lie. I mean, it's because you can smell yeah. it. It's there's no one around. There's it's the one place where I'm like I can't be full of shit. <laughs> it's too painful. It's too painful. So it's so it's good. I feel like I last week. You know, you were like sending me all this shit about nine 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 and the trilogy of nine 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 and all that stuff. I was like, uh, I just wasn't in the place to be mystical 
or whatever. The and Sorry. <laughs> That's the first thing that came to mind was the sound danger. <laughs> I mean, I'm basically one step away from being a rapper. I'm Let's sorry, but what do you mean? Okay, so you weren't in the place to be mystical. No, but it was, I, you sent me that and, and there was, so, and also a bunch of people were posting about Mercury and retrograde and I was like, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's true. Like that, this past week, this last week was huge for shifts and transformation and communication and sort of shedding I yeah I posted about it in our home group but I finally changed my name and I got my new social security card which has my full original name on it this has been something that's four years in the making you know we separated for four years ago and we've been divorced for almost two and it's like I still never changed my name so there's that and there's doing this step work and there's finally diving back into the writing so I feel like I love fall for this reason it always feels like a a big like production it does it is it's a very big shift from it's a very big shift from like you know I don't know I guess it's a very big shift it's a harvest I guess that's why it's it's called the harvest yeah (laughs) but you feel it you really do feel it I'm in San Francisco right now too and the weather is just you know LA kind of tricks Mm -hmm. you um, Rome definitely tricks you, but being here, it just feels like, okay, like it, you know, it feels, um, it does, it, it, it has that. seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love there's it. not really seasons in San Francisco, but move, but from LA to San Francisco feels like a season. Um, I was going to say one thing. Oh, and, and just so everybody knows, Laura has to submit her book to how many? <laughs> to five agents. To five agents. Um, and I have a five thousand dollar check um, that oh I get to cash God. on December fifth. No, like, no, no. Are you changing it? No, no, no. Oh, no, just okay. now thousands of people know. Yeah. So I have five thousand dollars coming to me on December fifth. If Laura does not submit her book to which, how many again? Five different names. Five. Mm-hmm. five. So anyway, so either two things are going to happen on December fifth. <laughs> You're going to pay off your car or. I'm going to be completely free of debt on my car, uh, or possibly, you know, buying a what plane ticket to Europe. Um, or Laura is going. Either to way, have- I will be comatose. <laughs> Either way, um, awesome. Okay, cool. So yeah, so that's what's going on. Laura's writing. Her ass got kicked. Um, she changed her name. Life is changing. Seasons change. I um am yeah. back in action and feeling really great. I was I finally published my um like what happened and that felt super good. And then I have in the last like two weeks, it's so funny because I met with one of my advisors, Tim. Like I called him the day that I came second day, Sunday when I came back from Rome and he's like, Talk to me in two weeks because you're you're like he's like, I don't understand what you're saying. Like you're you know, like <laughs> fucking get your shit together and then you're annoying you're not making sense you're not making sense you're all over the place and I like got off the phone I was like fuck you and then I met with him yesterday and we talked for two hours and it was great conversation and all this stuff had happened in this time and um (laughs) I like leapt into action and um and so I was leapt or leaped into action leaped into action whatever anyway so um so yeah so I'm um so I'm going too I'm going and it's also it's like back to work and it feels so good and um yeah it's it's just interesting all these things that we go through and what it you know everything that there is that 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 everything happens 
well, not even the seasons, but it's just that everything, you know, doesn't happen to us. It happens for us, even though when it's happening, we don't want it to happen. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's just, um, it's pretty beautiful how all this stuff unfolds. And one of the best things I have to say is to all of you guys who sent me emails and who sent money and who um, just reached out. And I, I don't know, like I, the best part of the work that we do is the community that we have, like hands down, that is the best fucking part. I've never, yep. ever done anything in my life that brings me so much, um, uh, so much fulfillment. Uh, well, it's not even fulfillment. It's comfort, like joy, connection. It's connection. just like, yeah. we have sisters, right? Like it is crazy mm-hmm. how many and brothers and brothers. Oh my God. Right. Like so many. Um, but it's also just this feeling of, 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 of knowing your, your held and, and having that, I don't know. It's, it's, it's pretty special I would say it's it's like the best part of this is is all of the people that are in this with us and the growing number of people and so um yeah so anyway okay so let's get on really quick couple of announcements we opened up a a store Laura and I are actually being business people now um and so um we opened up a store on store envy and the url is homepodcast.storeenvy.com and we so far have like 30 items up, 28 in it. I don't know. Uh, no, 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 not even. I don't know. Doesn't we have a lot matter. of items up. Doesn't matter. Um, and we're going to be putting even more up. Um, and all the proceeds go to home podcasts. This goes to helping us find a sound engineer, this, uh, or pay our sound engineer that we've actually already found. It helps yep. us, you know, order new equipment. It helps us to um, run the know, show. Pay, like, uh, for administrative help to make it a smoother thing. And so, um, yeah, so everything goes to the home podcast. And as Laura said, it also might go to coffee occasionally. Um, yeah. So there's great merch up there. And our website is up, uh, which is homepodcast.org, which has all of our episodes. And also, we'll have links to all of the stuff that we uh, talk about on the show. And yeah, and also a link to the store from that. So the only yeah. the only website you have to remember is homepodcasts homepodcast.org and everything's there. Cool. Um and then you have a couple of things to announce for your own personal work. You yeah, a couple of things real quick. I've talked about these before. We have I have a couple more spots available in my September workshop in Boston. It's coming up here in about Two, less than two weeks, no, less than 10 days. It's September 24th at South Boston Yoga. You can register on my site. It is, the workshop is called Working with Fear and Manifesting Change. It's going to be uh, all about fear and yoga as a practice to help us work through some of this stuff. And I am so excited. I've been, I put so much time into this. It is, um, like just one of my favorite topics. I have an amazing playlist. I have an amazing assistant that's helping me and doing assists. And there's just, it's going to be great. I think we are at, we are at where close to what I'm comfortable with capacity wise. So register it's $70 all on my website. And then the second thing is there's a retreat. Um, the first of the retreats that Meadow DeVore and I are doing uh, is in October, October 13th, 13th through the 16th in Bainbridge Island, Washington. And Meadow, if you're not familiar with her work, check her out. She's amazing. And I'm just beyond to start running these with her. We have just a few more spots in this. It's a small retreat purposefully. Um, I'm so excited at the number of people that signed up. 
right away and we have a few spots left. Awesome. Also on my website, all there's a few more events too. Everything is on lauramcowan.com. And yeah, I think that's it for me. Cool. And for me, uh, Hip Sobriety School is coming up. I'm running a fall program, a very small fall program, um, compared to the last one. And the registration for that opens up September 29th. Uh, school begins October 13th. If you want to find out about that, uh, just go to my website and you can click on coaching. My website is hipsobriety.com. Um, and that's about it. I have, I did put up for sale. I put a store up on my site. I have a couple things that are coming up. Um, you can check out, I have an one on demand course up there. I plan to add many more. Um, and then our friend Tammy Salas, the artist and I are teaming up to put together mm -hmm. a, an email series we've been working on for a year. Um, of 40 days of, uh, mantras to support sobriety. Um, so cool. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So I think that's it. All right. So this episode that we have coming up, um, I'm super excited about this is uh, our interview with Tommy Rosen and, um, I'll go into who, actually, let me just start off. Tommy Rosen, I think a lot of you guys know who he is. He is the founder of recovery 2.0, which is an online conference. It's a, um, happens twice a year. The first time it ever happened was in 2013, March 2013. And coincidentally, this was also when I was getting sober and I found it um, and I've been watching it since the beginning. And so this conference has been a huge part of my recovery path. Um, mm -hmm. It was one of the first things that I found that had the kind of information I was really looking for um, when it came to holistic recovery. And so the Fall Conference of Recovery 2.0 is coming up. This is Tommy's, um, Tommy does other things, and we'll talk about that in a second, but um, this is this is his greatest work. Uh, the Fall Conference mm -hmm. has 25 different speakers. It starts on September 14th, and you can just go to recovery2.0.com. There's links in the verbiage here, and that's the, the, the word, uh, the, it's not a point, it's actually P-O-I-N-T, recovery2, the number two point, P-O-I-N-T, um, zero.com and you can sign up for the conference. But, um, this and? fall conference is spectacular. It has 25 different speakers. Um, you've got Gabor Mate and Meadow DeVore and I will be on it and which is just crazy and, um, out mm -hmm. of this world because the first time that I saw it, um, it was just, it's just, it's a very full circle moment of, of something that is a huge, huge part of my recovery path and I'm coming back to speak on it. Yep. Um, being part of the movement now. Um, it's, um, it's beautiful. And Tommy and I have a great conversation. We talk about the myths, um, the, a lot of the myths about sobriety and, um, and debunking some of those myths. And we get into talking about, um, sex, sober sex. And we talk about oh, yeah, that's the things right. that I know it's so weird when he asked me about that. I was like, well, sure. Okay. Um, but it's just, it's a great, it's a great conference. It's free. It starts September 14th. It runs for five days. My talk is September 15th in the morning. Um, and so I highly recommend that you guys sign up for that. Also, um, Tommy is the author of a, of, this, of a book of the same name, Recovery 2.0. Um, and then also he runs uh, retreats with his wife, Kia Miller, who's a Kundalini instructor. Uh, mm -hmm. And I've had a lot of friends go to these retreats and they're wonderful. Um, and so he just, he's, he's got his hands in a lot of different things. He's, he's a big influencer, um, yeah. in this area and just somebody that, um, someone that, that we all, um, can benefit from, from watching. And we had him on the show and we haven't even talked about it. Yet. Well, we talked a little bit about it afterwards, but why don't you go ahead? What did you think? 
I loved it. I was super surprised in, um, at how much I enjoyed our conversation and not because I didn't think that it would be good. I just didn't think it would be that, that good. I got so much more from it personally than I expected to. He, he just, he was able to articulate so well, um, some particular aspects of recovery that I think only can be articulated from someone in long-term recovery who has been through not just the, the recovery from, you know, the substances, which is what started it, but he's kind of gone through all the other stuff that, that comes, including codependency, you know, or whatever you want to call it, love addiction, codependency, um, financial stuff, you know, all of it. And I just, I, I just really appreciated him. And I, I am really excited about the work that he's not just the work that he's put out so far, which is huge, all the recovery 2.0 stuff, but what he is, you know, what his future vision is. And we talk about that too. So I loved it. I thought it was excellent. Yeah. It's so funny because I have followed him pretty closely. I've been to yoga workshops of his and I was in his group coaching program. I don't know if he does that anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have read his book and I've listened to a lot of his, you know, a lot of his conference and I could tell him his story. I've known, I've heard his story so many times and it's one of those things that I didn't, I almost just didn't want him to go there just because you've heard something. Well, and not only that, like, you know, Gabrielle Bernstein, I've heard her story so many times, um, that I'm like, I get it. Yes. You have, you know, I know the dates, you know, right. Right. Like, please let's talk about something else. But it was so great because, when we, when we dove into this, I at first wanted him to go faster through it, and then we got into it, and it was just interesting to dissect it, especially, I think you and I would both agree, the part where we started to talk about love addiction. Yes. Um, especially because it's something that has impacted both you and I, and very surprisingly, like, my stuff, I've talked about this before, my stuff with men got worse before it got better in sobriety, yeah. and yeah. I, I know that that's a very common story, and actually, I've had, I have a lot, you know, the two most requested things that people ask me to write about are love addiction and um, mm-hmm. and bulimia, and um, those are the two things that I am not ready to really talk about fully yet, and yeah. so it was so great to kind of, to not only hear it from a man's perspective, because I love hearing stuff from a man's perspective, but also um, just to to really dive into it with somebody that's been through it and has come out the other side of it and uh, you know for a lot of us who, who know him he's got a, a really beautiful partnership with his wife Kia Miller um, and their their relationship is is you know kind of center stage in a lot of the work that they do together and um, it's really beautiful yeah. to kind of hear right. from somebody that's um, <laughs> you know been there done that and, and really moved through it and uh, in a way that you know we can we can all aspire to move through it. So it was just, it was great. It was a great conversation. I can't wait to have him on. I really can't wait to have him on again. Um, Me too. So we can dig into some of this stuff a little bit more. But um, yeah, so again, just to reiterate, the conference starts September 14th, which is, oh, it's not next week. It's this week. Why am I saying next week? It's, it's this, this week. week. It's this mm-hmm. Wednesday. It's, it'll be tomorrow after this airs. And um, I really hope you guys sign up for it and, and take advantage of it. It's free. And then after, after the five days, it, it goes on sale. And I'll tell you, I've purchased every single one of them I have all of the I have all of the videos to go back to um so yeah. it's just yeah it's a great resource and there you go there you go hello Tommy hello <laughs> hello starting this right on time 
And uh, how is everyone today? Uh, where Where is your friend Kip's house? Is it a uh, Is it in California or is it in the yes. on the East Coast? We are in We are in uh, Marina Marina del Rey, California. Oh, nice. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And it's it's great to be here. It's it's very nice today, as always. Yeah, um, I was just down there. I'm in San Francisco today, but I was I was just down in um, LA yesterday. Holly, I, my understanding was that you you pretty much reside in Rome now. That's your deal. <laughs> I just came back, um, but my I think part of me is still back there. I'm definitely still in Roman town. All right. Um, so, awesome. all right. So, Tommy, thank you so much for joining us. We're really excited Excellent. to do this because I think the reason I'm really excited about this is I have been following you for a really long time, and I, I, I could probably tell you your story at this point. Um, <laughs> and so, I mean, I read your book. I did your group coaching. I did the first time you did your group coaching course. I did your group coaching course. I've gone to your workshops before, um, and I really I, I know a lot about you, and I've, I've watched your conferences, obviously. And so... For me, this is really exciting because there are there's always things that I've wanted to know and always gaps I've wanted to have filled in. And so um, I think, like, uh, Laura and I want to just start by having you, because I think a lot of people, too, that are listening to this probably know that story. But just to get us up to speed, I'd really like to understand, just if you can, as um, in, a, in a summarized version, talk about, um, you know, what brought you through to, uh, like, your recovery path and also what brought you to... Um... Sorry, guys. No, it's totally... Ah, fine. a dog. <laughs> I've never had a dog appearance. That's actually the first time. Um, and really have you, like, walk us through from, you know, what your recovery looked like to when your recovery took a major, uh, you know, a major shift uh, w- with uh, after you started having back issues and when you met uh, kind of up to Guru Krem and, and what it looked like after that. Sure. Well, I began, uh, gosh, 1989. I'm living in Boulder, Colorado, and I am at that, at that point where you come to the precipice, <laughs> as it were. Um, I've, been, I've been smoking crack cocaine for days on end, um, doing a lot of heroin, drinking, uh, using other drugs. Um, I've separated myself from pretty much everything and everybody, not not because I didn't want to be around people or didn't care about people, but because I just couldn't be seen in the condition that I was in. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't let my parents see me any longer in, in this condition. It gone to that point where if somebody really spent five minutes with me, they would realize pretty quickly that I had a, a pretty severe problem. And you were and, how old at this? This is 1989. How old were you? 22. 22. Okay. Wow. And... Uh, there was there was a uh, a moment where I reached you know what what inevitably was my first bottom and I call it the bottom of desperation and I think we all as people on a path of recovery we share that we've all been there to that point where you don't know how to live you you know you can't live the way you've been living any longer but you have no idea no idea what what else are the options what other options how can you get yourself out of this hole that you probably now realize on some level that you've dug for yourself. And I called my dad. I was going to tell him everything but the truth. Um, You know, um, (laughs) that I, oh, my, you know, my school's not going well. My money situation's not great. Gosh, I'm not feeling too well physically. Uh, And my girlfriend broke up with me. La, 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 la. And 
my dad just sort of cut through it all. And he was like, look, I, I know you're on drugs. I know you're on drugs and you need, you're going to need help. And I, I had asked him for help uh, about six months previous and he'd been there for me and helped me a lot, but it was not any kind of path of recovery, just distance from the problem. I cleaned up a little bit, got my health back. But this time he said, you're going to, you're going to have to go away this time. You need treatment. And I said, I said, no, I'm not going to go dad. I'm not going to do it. And he started to cry on the phone. And for me, that was the, that, that was sort of the moment I couldn't take it. I couldn't go on any further. I saw how my behavior had been affecting my family, my father, who I loved so dearly. And I finally said, dad, stop crying. I will, I will go. I'll go to rehab. And so off I went to treatment, uh, Hazelden. And, and it was amazing. I, you know, for me, I, it actually took, yeah. like yeah. I, I actually, I got it. Um, I wanted to change. Here was an opportunity to review sort of my life and what had happened. How had I gotten so far off track? And I was kicking and screaming at first and every question out of my mouth was why, or, or every statement was no, or this has to be, there has to be something different, but I did comply. And, and I did. You were 22. Listen. Like that's also, you're young. You're mm. young. And also I'm really curious two things how long had you been using at that point it was it was a pretty long time because i know you you i know you track it back to sugar but you started using drugs really early right drugs at 13 yeah. started at 13 yeah so so and then also how um how long were you at hazel then for i was there for about 50 days okay and and um you know getting out of rehab which is really there should be an entire library of teachings which i'm in the middle of creating <laughs> about <laughs> yay what you do when you get out of rehab yeah, yeah. The, day, the day you walk out of treatment and you're returning to your life is really it's a tremendously challenging awkward it can be a challenging awkward time and you're in between yeah. the person you used to be and the person you're going to be well, that's, yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to say. So you were, I mean, you are not, it doesn't take the first time for, do you know the percentage? Do you have any idea what the percentage is? Of people who, who don't relapse ever? After their first stint in rehab, yeah. Um, probably low. I, I know, probably very low, I would imagine. Yeah. And, and there's no, I mean, there really is. There's no, there, I know they're starting to make some solutions for this, but there really is no after, there is no after. There's no practical reintegration aftercare. There's, I mean, you go to, it's really truly just going to meetings. Am I, am I right? Uh, well, the, the protocol in back in 1989, and I think, I mean, let's, let's, a lot has changed since 89. Okay. Yeah. So we've, we've had a quarter century, 27 years um, of, a lot more focus on this problem and the problem has gotten a lot worse in the United States. A lot more people have died yeah. uh, and it's, it's gotten the attention of our leaders and, and of medical doctors and of scientists and of people who are sort of exploring this thing from every angle. So things are a little bit different now, but back in 89, I went to a treatment center that was based on the idea of abstinence and the 12 steps. And that was Hazelden. Um, as I said, I really got it. Having said that, I didn't have a plan for living other than attend meetings, stay away from places that are slippery slopes, mm 
and, you know, exercise, eat well, and go to bed, you know, and get some sleep. Um, Did you go back to Boulder? I moved back to Boulder um, against everybody's sort of advice. Um, But I wanted to be there, and I wanted to be near my friends, and I wanted to finish school. and, And I was absolutely determined to stay sober. So I started going to seven meetings a week, one a day. And the way I treated it was I leave my life. I go, to, I go to a meeting, I check off that box for the day, and I return to my life. And the problem with that approach is that it becomes boring. You, yeah. you, start, you start asking yourself, well, why am I doing this? Like, there's no yeah. weight. This doesn't carry any weight for me. Well, there's no meaning. And it's devoid no, of meaning. It's devoid of meaning. It's devoid of meaning because my approach to it is such that I'm still continuing a compartmentalization of my my recovery from the rest of my life. Right. I'm also, I'm not letting anybody get to know me. Explain the compartmentalization part of this. Like, because what was the rest of, what is the other part of your life? Well, the, the other part of my life was, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not really on a path of recovery. Mm-hmm. I'm just living my life. I'm just kind of floating through life, and and this is this other thing that you do. These are these are these other things that you do. But then you're you are not drinking, and and I'm not going to meetings. And that's it. I'm not drinking. I'm going to meetings. I'm I'm going to school, and I'm sort of like figuring that out. But you know, and I, and I'm definitely getting involved back in sports and different things that are meaningful to me in the physical realm. But uh, I'm not a person on a path of recovery yet. Yeah. I, have, I haven't, like, owned it. Do you feel and, like it's also you haven't surrendered to it on some level? Like, you're still, is that is that something you would feel comfortable saying or no? Well, it's an interesting thing, you know, the word surrender. I would say, just a moment ago, I said to you, I had a bottom of desperation. Yeah. And interestingly, I think the bottom of desperation that we all have is a great bottom to get sober off of. Yeah. I don't it's think a it's a starting great, point. It's a good starting point, but I don't think it's sustainable. Right. And let's let's take a look at why not. Because what's going to happen is you're going to start to feel better. Yeah. The, the desperation that was required for you to find the openness and humility to take advice and to, to surrender to a, a process, a structure, is going to go away. The desperation is going to go away. You're going to feel better. Your ego is going to recover. Your life yeah. is going to recover. Yeah. And all of a sudden that key ingredient of humility and that openness to explore and to be on a spiritual path, which I think is, is critical for all of, for every human being. I don't, I just, I, I, and I'm not talking about God. I'm talking about a path that leads to your heart, yeah. to the yeah. truth. Yep. So, so um, to be on a spiritual path to me, that means to be looking at your life, to be observing your thinking, observing your behavior, trying to correct self-reflection, you know, I think that's just something that everybody should be engaged in. But the person who's in recovery from addiction in those early days is not necessarily embracing it yet. No, they're still, right. you're in the emergency still, state. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a crisis. That's exactly right. It's, it's, you know, you're in triage and all of a sudden you get out of triage and you return to the world and it's like, well, who am I now? Yeah. What do I, what do I believe in? What, what are the things I would do each day in my life just simply to get through the day and feel like I have a purpose and a meaning? It takes a while 
to develop that. So I did not have that in early recovery. And so I relapsed. Mm -hmm. I relapsed after a year. Stayed sober for a year. I stopped going to meetings. At first it was seven meetings, then it was five meetings, then it was three meetings, then it was maybe here and there uh, each week. And then I just stopped going and I was in that floating place. I was floating. I had no plan. Um, and so eventually I was around some people who were using drugs and they said, you know, do you want to join us? And I said, yes. It was so, it was so simple. It was so easy. And it was so, it was so inevitable for me because I wasn't working on being conscious. I wasn't working on being in recovery. Yeah. So that, that went on for about a year. I, I had a relapse in and out, in and out, in and out. A lot happened that year. And then finally I reached the second bottom. And this is very important because the second bottom is the bottom you could actually stay sober off of. This is the bottom. This is the bottom where you realize in your own heart, not from a place of desperation, but from a place more of, I would say, sadness, that you have a lot of potential, that you could actually be somebody, you could be something, you could, you could, you could figure out what you could be if you could get this thing. So the second bottom is the bottom where you actually want it. You want it for real, for yourself. And the interesting thing about the second bottom, it mirrors the first bottom in one way. You still don't know how to get it. You still don't, you still don't know the secret. And you haven't figured out a way to move forward onto the spiritual path in a way where it's actually going to work long term. So here's the good news. When you come to that bottom, you want it. So you start to take suggestions. You start to do things that other people say, listen, I've, I've been where you are. I did these things, and it brought about a positive result in my life. So you start to emulate people around you who are, are examples of victory. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And so in emulating people who have been where you are but have had a transformation that you seek, you get to begin to be on the path that leads to a similar transformation. Yeah. Yeah. Now, for me, that's the 12 steps. For other people, that's smart recovery. Other people, that's celebrate recovery. Other people are more into therapeutic recovery in one, one form or another. Other people still are, are on the yoga tip or the different kind of spirituality tip or the meditation tip. And if you're, something, if you're like me, it was all of those things. Yep. It was like a little bit of everything um, is what I needed. But the 12 steps were, were core. Just in that, it, it, it brought about the spiritual transformation that I was looking for. Um, and that meant I woke up one day and was no longer thinking about using drugs and alcohol. It, it wasn't plaguing me any longer. I wasn't thinking about it. It, didn't, it wasn't something I had to resist. I just, it simply lost its charge in my life. Isn't that crazy? It is. It's, it's, <laughs> it's it just is so crazy. I, I still, like, I just... I don't want to just gloss over that because I think so many people, I know so many people that listen, don't ever believe that that, that will, will happen. happen to them. Yeah. Yes. And, and I didn't Ugh. believe it either. Uh, well, it wasn't that I didn't believe it. I just knew that I had to take it on faith. Yes, exactly. And, you know, and most people who are in pain or challenged by something that they're trying to overcome they have to find somebody, as I mentioned before, an example of victory who can say, this is the way, this is the way. 
come this way. It'll work out. And then you're in this place of faith because you cannot know if this transformation is going to take place for you or not. You just have to go there on faith. Yeah. And you don't know it's, when. <laughs> and you don't yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. There's no, there's no time clock. It's not like, you know, if you're trying to lose weight, you can get on a scale each day and, oh, I, I, I lost a pound today. How wonderful. Oh, I lost two pounds today. How wonderful. You can track your progress. It's a little less visible on a spiritual path. Of course, when you, when you begin to get some momentum and, you, and your life starts to heal and you start to heal, your relationships start to heal, obviously you're starting to feel better. Right. And little by little, you have a good day, you have another good day, then you have a shitty day. Then yep. you have another good day, another good day, another good day, then a shitty day. You know, but you start to realize, wow, things are, it's easing up. My pattern of, of challenge is, is shifting. Well, not only then, that, when it gets, when you, even when you have, it's also when you have a bad day, it's not the worst day. Like you're actually able to, I think for me, some of the best like evidence I've had is actually when it's been really shitty, but I'm not doing the same stuff to get through the shitty. Absolutely. Um, and it, and it's obviously, we'll eventually come to the realization that we've been under sort of the, under the weight of, of a misunderstanding and the misunderstanding Uh, (laughs) that all of us have is that somehow we're not supposed to feel pain. Somehow we're not supposed to make mistakes. Oh no, we're meant to make mistakes. That's in fact, that's what we do down here on planet earth. We make mistakes. (laughs) And then we learn from them. Hopefully, we hope try not to make the same mistake twice. Um, you know, and then, and then, of course, the idea that we're not supposed to be in pain, that's a ridiculous concept. Mm-hmm. We, we know that we're going to experience breakups. We're going to experience divorce. We're going to experience loss. We're going to get sick. Friends of ours are going to get sick. We're going to lose people. And that's, that's very difficult. That's painful. And so that's yeah, natural- especially especially because you think when it's happening to you, especially with the pain of addiction and and all the things that are underneath, you think you're the first person and the only person to have gone through this stuff. No matter that's- how much you know in your head that it happens and you see it and you read it and you have friends and you have family, it's still profound to you. <laughs> and I am that's- the only one, you know. Right. And, and even that, you know, over time you realize that's ridiculous, that there's other people who've been through this stuff and you're not the only one. And of course, part of the process of going through the 12 steps is to help you realize that exact thing, that you're not alone, um, that this is, you're part of the human condition and that this is part of the human condition. Um, and this is leading to a good place, you know, now the, 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 the next piece of the story is the story that of recovery within recovery, because this is where I think you wanted me to get to. Yeah, how uh, and, and timeline, because I really like building a timeline into this. So I know you were sober for a period of time, and and then you had this, this like, second recovery. How many years had passed, if you could just also include that when you're talking about it? Sure. So I, I originally got sober in 89. Uh, I stayed sober through 90, relapsed. Finally got sober for the last time, June 23rd, 1991. So about a year to two years after that was when I really felt like the promise of the 12 steps came true in my life. So for me, at 92, 93, I'm no longer thinking about drugs and alcohol. You might say it's just been removed from my life. I'm grounded. 
in a process. I'm grounded in principles that, that have weight for me. I'm, I'm engaging in behaviors, and I'm, I'm engaging in them regularly, so I'm building new neural pathways. I'm building, I'm building new behaviors into my life. I'm creating new habits, and they're, they're a great improvement on the habits I used to have. Um, but, you know, when the drugs and alcohol were put down, guess what, guess what I could see out in the world? <laughs> Sex and money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and food. Sex, food, and money. So I was dating a lot of people and having a lot of those experiences and mm -hmm. I'm falling in love with people and trying to figure out how to be that for a minute and what does that look like and yeah. getting in these long-term long relationships and trying to be like a good guy in those relationships and, and in many, many cases failing miserably. Um, but, but really looking to women, um, to cigarettes, to gambling, and to other addictive behaviors, looking there to try to achieve the same state of comfort and ease that I had always been looking for in drugs and alcohol or any other way. And as I tell the story, the universe... You know, my idea of, of higher power or, you know, spirit, I, I do believe there's some kind of force around us that generates, organizes, and delivers everything. Uh, so my relationship with that thing, like that thing is aware of me in my, in my understanding. And since that thing is aware of me, it's also aware of my actions. And there's no, there's no guilt and there's no shame from the universal perspective. It's just that the universe gets very tired of, of, of your bullshit <laughs> and it just—it got so tired of my my shenanigans. It's just like you know, I think we're going to have to put an end to this for you. We need you to well, change. We're not going to be subtle about it. We're not. Well, we've tried the subtle route, and you haven't listened. <laughs> Shit. We have we have whispered, we have spoken, <laughs> and now and now we're going to scream. Now we're going to scream at you, and 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 what that looked like for me was. I came, first I, I had my codependent bottom, and then I had my money financial bottom. The Ooh, codependent, can I hear about the codependent bottom? Sure. Is that where you're going? My, sure. Well, my, my, um, my MO was I really longed for a deep connection with a woman. And when I was a single man and I had so-called my freedom, um, it was lovely on one level, on a carnal level, on a physical level, in a freedom kind of way, but I also was, was really feeling unhappy and longing for a deeper connection. When I had the deeper connection and I was in a, a relationship, I felt constrained, I felt trapped, I felt pain and I felt confusion and I felt like I couldn't find peace. Yeah. So there's only one common denominator in those two different scenarios. <laughs> and that's, that's me. So, oh my God. So the universe is like, you know, I think we're going to put someone in, in front of you and we're going to design a situation for you to be humbled and to be leveled and to become teachable. And so I met this young person and uh, it was a, uh, we, we had a relationship that was, I tried to control from the beginning by saying things like, you know, 
I'm, I'm really, I, I like you. I think we could have fun together. Um, but I'm not going to fall in love with you. And you need to know that because, because there's something, because there's something wrong with me when it, when it comes to these relationships. Cause I've determined that through my last eight years of recovery, this is where I've gotten, um, I had, I had gotten recently, uh, maybe a year before this, I'd gotten out of a relationship with someone that I loved very, very much. Someone I love to this day. And I could see like, wow, I, I just can't find peace neither in or out of a relationship. There must be something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. So that was the conclusion. And I went into this, this relationship with that conclusion. And, um, it, it, it there's a lot of details that I, I won't be able to go into right now, but it became a very addictive relationship with this person. Un- unbelievably so. When you say addictive, what do you mean? Like you found yourself wanting to escape into it? Like explain how you how you define addiction in in the relationship sure. sense. In the in the context of this relationship, I would say that I couldn't stop thinking about this person 24/7. Mm. That the quality of my day would be dependent upon how things went with her. Mm-hmm. That uh, she was pulling away from me about a year into this relationship, and I was not wanting that to happen. I had actually developed, despite my earlier declarations, <laughs> I had I had actually developed very strong feelings for this person. And by this point, she was dating somebody else, but she was still kind of in it with me. Yeah. And and that yeah. created that created this unbelievable uh, obsession in me. Ugly. I went to a very very dark place, um, and I, I really mean that. If 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 crack cocaine or heroin addiction or methamphetamine addiction is, is sort of some of the most horrific things you could see uh, in the world of drugs, I went to that place in terms of relationship. Yeah. So I, I, be, I became obsessed. And I, yeah. and I became obsessed with a person as if they were a drug. And nobody else would do, no other drug would do, nothing else would do except her. Oh. And so... So I know I, this I, place. All the, uh, I, I want to like pause for a second because I know so many women uh, that listen and, and probably men too are sitting there going, because you're the first time we've ever really um, talked about this. Okay. And, and just to, I mean, Holly and I ourselves have talked about it, but we, had, we haven't named it that. And I just, I, I want to We haven't say, named it what? We haven't named it love addiction? We haven't, or, or well, no, I don't even want to label it. I'm just saying we haven't described that experience exactly. Like, neither one of us has. I have felt it, though. Like, I know well, I have yeah, felt I mean, it. So know this. this is like the Peter cigarettes thing. This was like me not being able to uh-huh. go to, you know, this was like in December not being able to sleep and losing 10 pounds and like yep. because yep. of someone else's behavior and thinking that they held some key that was going to release me from it and um yes. and working with and working with 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 that right which is um which is it's absolutely or justin or you know i mean any relationship we've had is it's it's, it's you know it's yes. and it's brutal it's brutal sure brutal is. brutal yeah sure is. Anyway, I just want to take a moment to, Wait, to so how bow did you, so how did and that, recognize. Yeah, so, so you said on. it leveled you. So how did it level you and how did it move you out, out of, like, how did you move out of that? Because only you can move yourself out of that. Well, uh, I'll tell you the story and you can, you can make of it what you will. <laughs> All right. Um, you know, I pity the person. 
and I, and I mean, I sympathize and empathize with, but there's a level of pity too, because it's, it's so extraordinarily painful. If you make a, a human being in your life, a drug, if you if you're trying to control somebody, trying to get somebody, trying to, and it's become the, the central focus of your life, the way it did for me for that period of time, it's super painful. But when you're sober, clean and sober, there's no drugs and alcohol in your life, you can no longer point to that as being the problem. Mm. So before it was like, wow, I had a drug problem. Okay. Oh, I had an alcohol problem. All right. Well, now what is this? What is my problem exactly? And, you know, you speak to every friend who's willing to listen a thousand times, awake all night, on my knees, praying, please take this pain away. Please help relieve me of this obsession. I can't stop. I can't stop. And you realize, wow, I'm nine years sober and I'm absolutely miserable. Yeah. Now, now, let me tell you why I think this is so important and so relevant for people. I recognize this thing as codependency. This is, and the way I define that is the disease of the lost self. The disease of the lost self. So somewhere along the way, probably when I was very young, between the ages of probably zero and seven, there was a disconnection from myself, a real and true psychological disconnection, mental disconnection, spiritual disconnection, whatever it is. And it, it plays out as a sense of discomfort. It plays out as a, a, maybe there's a variety of behaviors that go along for the person who's experiencing this to try to feel better, like drugs and alcohol. And then the drugs and alcohol are taken away, and guess what's waiting there for someone like me? Right? It's that original hurt, that original disconnection is there. Well, this is what I believe underlies all addiction. I believe codependency is there first. Before the drugs and alcohol came in, I believe our relationships are skewed. I believe we're so uncomfortable in relation to each other. I believe that we have lost a lot of important things like ritual, ceremony, our elders, our connection with family. I believe our relationships are so skewed that we get lost. We lose ourselves, And that that is the addiction that we're all going to have to face when we're one year, three years, five years, seven years, or for me, nine years sober. And if you don't know it's coming, it can knock you on your ass like a freight train, hit you in the side of your body and knock you right off your path of recovery. I Some people, so, oh sorry. sorry, no, I'm it's, just like, I, I don't want you to go too fast speak, or too far because I think this is, it's just such an important thing to talk about. And I have so many things to say about this, but the first thing I want to say, and, um, okay. The first thing I want to say is that I, when I, somebody, I was talking to somebody recently about codependency. And it's one of these things that I think is a lot of times overprescribed. And I just had this thought in my mind, and I'd love to hear what you have to say, which is, I mean, what human do we know that doesn't suffer because of how much we invest in other people and what other people think of us and how other people act and trying to control what other people do? I mean, we really boil it down to what we say codependency is, which is our own state being dependent on another human's behavior and action. Um... I don't know anybody that isn't subject to that. So number one, there's that. And I want, I do want to hear what you have to say on that. But the other thing I want to talk about is like, so fucking yes on, um, this is the thing that snuck up and bit me, um, harder than anything else like had. And if I go back through it, I mean, I can see it so clearly now. And it's the thing that I've worked on the most, which is my relationship with men. But if I can see it, like it was one of those things where very early on, I caught myself 
when I would need to escape to sing, like I could, I just saw the addiction in it and it was and it. Um, and I had, it struck me right when I thought I should be free of all this stuff, right when I thought I had done so much work and I was so spiritual and open and advanced. And then all of a sudden I was acting worse with men than I had when I was drinking actually. Um, and so I, I think it's such an important thing to talk about. Yes, like it does. It strikes so deeply and, and, and vastly, and especially in this community. But I am curious to hear what you have to say because I think it's sure. something that affects everyone, not just people that suffer from, um, from, from drug and alcohol addiction. It also, it's kind of like one of those things that, but who isn't affected by other people? And how do you start to narrow down what codependency is just from being human? Yeah. Um, so these are all, obviously, these are all wonderful questions. <laughs> and we won't, we won't be able to come to a full conclusion today, but, but here's some ideas uh, that have occurred to me over this last 25 years, particularly the last 15 or 16 since I reached that particular bottom and, and learned what it was and how to climb out of it. And I'll tell you about the climbing out story in a minute. But to answer this immediate question, we're all on a spectrum. Okay, we're and the spectrum, let's just say it's called the human condition. We're all subject to the human condition. We are very social creatures. We're influenced by our environments. We're influenced by people around us. We're heavily influenced by the people that are closest to us, our family and our close friends. And, and this is all true. As we grow up, we know from developmental psychology that we develop uh, uh, sort of patterns, routines, habits, um, our psyche and our psychology develops in, in a certain kind of way. Each of us as individuals, we are um, we grow along a path of maturity in our own time, apparently on our own clock, and we end up, in quotes, we end up sort of where we end up. But we're all on the spectrum of the human condition. The human condition, to me, is subject to the challenges of finding ease and comfort. The way that any human being acts, they're typically acting in a way where they believe it's going to bring about ease and comfort, even though we know for a fact that that can be so far off the target um, when we watch people hurt themselves in addiction. They're still doing what they think is going to bring them to ease and comfort. Well, if, if it's not drugs and alcohol, it could be relationships. You get a sense of, um, let's say you get a sense of, of self-worth from the way uh, a girl looks at you or the way a guy looks at you. And that sense of self-worth, which you ultimately want to develop within yourself and have as something that's built into your character and your personality, which is a solid sense of self, self-esteem, you get into the habit of seeking the wholeness and the comfort that you seek from another person. You try to recreate that feeling that you get from another person. Now, after t over time, when this behavior amplifies and amplifies and amplifies, you have not built the psychological foundation of your being internally. You have built it externally. And our whole world is based and is, is encouraged to look into the outside world to find what you're looking for, mm -hmm. be that money, sex, power, control, yes. the right body, you know, all this stuff. So we're all on the spectrum. 
So I, people say to me, you know, do you think I'm an addict? They'll say that to me. I'll say two things. Number one, we're all on the spectrum. Number two, it's not for me to say. Right. It's for you to say and your reflection on yourself. If you understand addiction in the term, in the way that I think about it, every one of us is dealing with something that pulls us away from our true self. And whenever we're engaged in a behavior that pulls us away from the truth and we repeat that behavior over time, I consider that to be addiction. So is every human being affected by, by codependency? Well, not everybody, and I think very few people, have ever been affected by codependency the way I have been the way maybe many other addicts have been. Um, I don't think that's, uh, that's a, an experience that the majority of people have. have do, on the other hand, do we all feel heartbreak when we're, we're going through a breakup, somebody dumps us or we dump somebody or, you know, or a, a, a divorce takes place? This is going to be painful. You may exhibit the characteristics of codependency for a period of time because you've been in a relationship for 20 years. Right. Be, because it's painful to transition out of a way of being in connection to a human being and all of a sudden that human being's not there. It's very painful. Does that mean you're a sick, addict, codependent? Of course not. However, these difficult, painful moments are the currency for our transformation to greater understanding in that moment. Yeah. If you go through that divorce, you go through that thing, you... We all know people who are stuck in something in the past that they haven't been able to let go of. At a certain point, you have to say, I have to move on from this. I have to release it. I have to be free of this thing, and I have to become present again. So for you, what, what was it that, was, that, un, that helped you escape from this or helped you not escape but transcend this? Okay. So here's what happened. I'm walking down the street one day in San Francisco. It is the year 2000. So I'm nine years sober. Um, for the past six months, I've been involved in what I can only describe as codependency psychosis. I go to bed with this woman on my mind. I wake up with her on my mind. I have sexual fantasies only about her and nobody else. There's no other person on the planet <laughs> Okay, that's how it's become. All right, it's like that. And I'm stuck in my mind with these, and, and I'm going through the motions of being alive, but behind my eyeballs, it's just, a, it's just an absolute hurricane of pain. So I'm just going through this, and I'm thinking to myself, well, I have no desire to use drugs and alcohol, which is kind of a miracle, but I guess what's going to happen is I'll just, I'll just go crazy. I'll just lose my mind and... And that's what's going to happen here for me. So I'm walking down the street, and that's what I'm thinking. And I've got this. I really want you to get this. I, and, and we're all on the same page here. We're big people. So in my mind, I have a 70-millimeter pornographic film going on in my head about this woman. I'm walking down the street in San Francisco. The most graphic sexual images you can imagine are going through my head as I walk down the street by myself. In the, in the distance, I see a friend of mine, a guy named David. He walks up to me. Hey, Tommy, how's it going today? I'm like, oh, it's okay, David. I lied to him. 
And I'm like, what are, you, what are you up to today? He's like, oh, I'm going to this art gallery. And I'm thinking to myself in that moment, wow, art. Maybe art can help me right now. Maybe I can look at some art and get out of these images that are just parading through my head. So much pain. And I'm like, cool, where is that art gallery? Maybe I'll come join you. He's like, great, it's this afternoon. Now, the person I was dating, I'm going to give you a false name, but you'll get the point. Her last name was Powell. In San Francisco, there's a street called Powell. And he says to me, <laughs> this art gallery is at 69 Powell Street. <laughs> and I look... The universe is not subtle. I look into his face, and for a minute, I think he's fucking with me. I'm like, and I'm getting, like, for a minute, I'm getting mad, like I'm about to knock his, his face, his, just, just punch this guy. And I look at him, and I'm like, what'd you just say? And he goes, the art gallery is at 69 Powell. You should meet me there. And he walks away. Now, I, I lean up against a, a brick wall that's right there. Literally, he walks away, and I lean up a brick, against a brick wall, and I just start to cry. And then I start to laugh. I have, I have, a, I have a pretty quick cry. And then this extraordinary laughter comes. And the laughter is, I recognize that I'm not alone. I recognize how insane I have been. I recognize that my case is being considered. And in that moment, I developed the strength to let go of that relationship. What that meant was, I could not return an email. I could not return a call. I had to make a declaration, please don't call me anymore ever again. Now, from that day, even though we shared the same set of friends and the same environment in San Francisco for many years to come, I never saw her again from that day to this day. No, I, just, I get that. I totally get that. I, I mean, get it too. Yeah. I, but you can't say, "Oh my God." Oh, yes. I know. I know. It's but it it's um it's crazy. It is crazy to me how the universe can bring people together in the most strange place, like the most obscure ways. It can make the the, the most random people connect. So out outside of any sort of realistic setting, and yet when you can run in such a close, tight circle to somebody that you are not supposed to come together with, how it can keep you apart. I think that that's just, it's like such a, yeah. Yes. Well, I imagine it's sort of good news, bad news for your listeners or for, for anybody who hears the story, because on the one hand, it's, yes. a, it's, a, it's a good story, but how do you bring about that kind of experience in your life? Um, you know, people, people are like, oh, that's, that's how you got out of it? Like, that's what you did? But like, you were also done with... I mean, there's, like... You have to be ready to be done with something like that. And also, you do have to suffer an extreme amount to be able to be done with something like that. And you have to also do the thing that you were willing to do, which was open your eyes to what's actually coming at you and what's right yes. in front of you. And, and yes. you might have actually gotten a hundred 
different things that were just as profound as 69 Powell, but you couldn't, you were not at the point where you were ready to see it. And then on that day, you were ready to see it and receive it. And you were ready to make those things because I know that's the first thing I thought was like, Oh, like, yeah, it's just so easy. You just never, you know, of course I've done that. I'm never emailing that guy again. I am, I'm telling him to not contact me. And I'm, when he does contact me, I'm telling him go away. And then, you know, he texts me and I'm like, Hey, what's up? Yeah, let's totally hang out, you know? And so I think that's like, it's one of those things that it's, you know, somebody could easily say, Oh, well, like that, you know, like he must've had some extreme amount of you know, whatever, to be able to do that. or But I do believe that we suffer, like that it happens when, when and, and you'd also been in recovery for nine years and doing a lot of other work on yourself. And so I do believe it happens, you know, when we're ready for it to happen and we have the strength for it to happen and we're ready to receive the signs and all that stuff. So, but it's... Um, Thank you for that. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot behind the scenes um, in order to make that story a story that actually was profound enough to, to jettison me out of the darkness, as it were. Yeah. Um, but, so that was the codependent bottom. Uh, I, I don't know if we have time or desire to go through the financial gambling bottom. but Well, I really want to get into, so bef- they, to make the best use of our time, I am dying to know um, a couple of things. So can I just ask you a couple of questions? Of course. Okay. When did you meet Kia? Because Kia is my Kundalini teacher on Yoga Glow. Um, okay. When did you meet Kia? So Who's from Kia that, for people that don't know? Oh, yeah, know. sorry. When did you meet Kia, Kia Miller? Kia, is, <laughs> Kia Miller, noted yoga instructor, is my wife. <laughs> and uh, my, my, my wife of 13 years, my partner in, in crime for 16 years. Mm-hmm. And um, I met her. Um. Almost 10 months, nine or 10 months to the day after I released that other relationship. Yeah. And you met her where? In San Francisco or down south? I met Kia. She was living in Los Angeles at the time. I was living in San Francisco. Okay. And, and you, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so we, we met, and uh, I, of course, was coming out of this disaster that I was just describing to you. And, but this time, rather than trying to control a relationship or trying to tell somebody, listen, I'm broken, I'm not going to be able to do this, I'm not going to fall in love with you, and this is what's going to happen, um, I was just simply in, in a place where I had sort of said to you know, myself, my innermost heart, and sp- speaking literally on my knees a few times, there was a humility. And I was just saying, I don't know how to, I don't know how to do this. I'd like to know how. I'd like to learn... Um, I'm tired of causing myself and other people pain. Uh, and I would like to learn how to be in a truly loving relationship that could have sustainability to it. So just that prayer and the willingness to sort of say, this is actually what I want. Um, it began to create the circumstances for something like that to be able to take hold in someone like me. And that's a bit what it was like when I met Kia. I, I was very smitten with her, but I was smitten in a way where I was smitten, but terrified. And I mean that. I was going to ask. Yeah. Cause I'd come through, I'd come through something rough. Um, so I, I knew I was willing to go just so far with somebody, but I didn't want to ever experience giving my power away to someone again in that way, in that sick way. Yeah. And you have been able to do that with Kia. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, it's been uh, you know I stand in this marriage. There's no question about it. On on the on the shoulders of my teacher Guru Prem, I stand in this marriage on the shoulders of other teachers, therapists, um, sponsors, people who have helped me to unravel the challenges of being me and to be able to be successfully in a relationship long term. Um, so it's been it's been wonderful, and I, I've worked hard at it. I don't want to diminish that; I really have. But the teachings and the teachers that I've gotten have been nothing short of miraculous for me. Yeah, and you have, and it's such a beautiful relationship to witness. I've been following both of you, and it's. I think a lot of people have had this experience. I'm sure you've heard this before. We found you separately, and then put two and two together later on. And I was really excited when I found out you guys were a couple. Because um, I found her on Yoga Glow through Gabby Bernstein, who led me to Kundalini, and then I found you separately. Um, and then it's one of those, you know, aha moments when you realize that the two of you are married. So it's, it's really yes. beautiful, beautiful relationship. Thank, well, thank you so much. We we uh, are having a lot of fun together, and we really like each other and have a profound respect and love for each other. And um, I, you know, it's it's. You know, you've you've heard a little tiny smidgen about where I've come from, and of course, Kia has her own story of yeah, of, yeah. of challenges on this front and what it what it was like to be her and and all. So you know, to bring two people together and have it be harmonious is is rare and different, especially in this day and age. So we we don't take that for granted. And is she? So t- sorry. Go ahead, Laura. Go ahead. No, it's okay. Go ahead. I know. I had two. I have two more questions, and um. The first is, is Kia sober? And was that a challenge if she's not? And then the second uh, is, did you bring Kundalini to her? Like, is that why she's a Kundalini teacher? Because of Guru Prem? <laughs> these, are the things I've been, these are two things I've been dying to know. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so, so Kia um, has her own story of recovery that does not, is, doesn't follow the same sort of guidelines as what, we've, what we typically consider to be recovery. So I, I don't think Kia would say she's in recovery. Okay. Um, and, and she definitely would not say that she's sober, although she doesn't really drink or use drugs. So um, there is that. Um, and that's just never been a thing for her, uh, at least as long as I've met her. Um, you know, um, drugs and alcohol have never been a thing between us. And so out of respect for her, maybe you have her on the show sometime and ask her about her path of recovery, what she would say about that. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, can we have Kia on? <laughs> sure. But, Not asking you, we'll, we'll ask, ask her. her. Yeah. Sorry, there's a phone ringing in the background. I can't That's hear fine. that. No worries. Um, um, so the, the second, second question uh, on the Kundalini, yeah. So Kia found Kundalini before me. Huh. Uh, she, was, she was going to Guru Singh's class in Los Angeles yeah, yeah, on yeah, Monday. Yeah, I go to Guru Singh's, yeah. <laughs> and I think that was somewhere in the mid to late 90s for her. Um, but I don't think it really took for her, um, really, really took until after we were together when she started to really dedicate more of her time to it. And she took the teacher training um, a couple of years before I did. Um, and she was teaching uh, for many years before I was teaching. So really, she's been the, the pioneer, the, the pathfinder, if you will, um, and I've, I've learned so much from her as my teacher, in addition to my wife being my wife. And um, she's, she's shined a bright light um, on a path. Um, so it's helped me. But the way that I found Guru Prem, that was not related to Kia per se. Um, 
but another miraculous story for another time. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I know that story and I love that story and I, and I love the testimony it has to, to, to yoga and also Kundalini yoga, um, which yes. I'm a teacher of. Um, so yeah. Yes. All right. And congratulations by the way. Oh, thank you. Well, it was one, it was so funny. I'd been practicing yoga since 2003. And, um, I did Bikram yoga first, and then I was doing vinyasa yoga because in San Francisco, vinyasa is a really big deal. And um, and I had always said I wanted to be a yoga teacher. And then I found Kundalini yoga um, in uh, before I got sober in early 2013. And I stopped drinking in April 2013. And I signed up to be a teacher in July 2013, because it had, I've been talking about it for over 10 years at that point. And then it was actually Kundalini that propelled me to, uh, to become certified. And um, because it's just so profoundly uh, transformative, as you know. Good for you, Holly. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Laura, sorry. Don't be sorry. Remember, we're not saying sorry anymore. So, uh, I there's so I I don't even really want to veer into the AA path, Holly. I just don't. I think that we like Tommy. You what you have said. I honestly didn't expect you to uh, your story to hit home so hard with me. I am so you articulate it so well, and you touched on so many things that are deeply like resonant to me and to so many people that listen, I guess, um, I just think we have to have you on another time to talk about some of the other stuff. Cause there's just so much there. I really want to know what I really want to know what recovery, um, how you got to be doing what you're doing, um, and built this really beautiful, important thing and how, and what's next for it? Like where, where are you headed? with your work or what do you hope? I know you're, I know because of Meta that you're, you're coming out with another book and I can't wait for, at least for, based on the premise of it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, um, so the recovery 2.0 program mission, um, community, the movement that it's mm-hmm. become, it's essentially, uh, a group of people around the world who have embraced the idea of holistic recovery. We honor all paths to recovery. And the most important, one of the most important thoughts within our community is that there is a way to live free of this thing. Mm. That it won't always be suffering. That extraordinary healing and creativity and love and joy can be experienced on this path. Not only can it be experienced, it must be experienced. So if you don't know what to shoot for, or someone doesn't give you a high enough bar to shoot for, you wouldn't know what to shoot for. Yeah. So we're setting setting a high bar for people. Um, We're saying, listen, you can be free of this thing. You will have to take a look at the way you manage stress. You will have to take a look at how your relationships are going. You will have to take a look at your relationship with food and with money. Mm. And, and you will have to have a process of some kind, a structure of some kind to go through on a regular basis. Even though it may change, I have found, as I mentioned at the beginning, 
if you float through recovery, you won't be in recovery very long. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think, oh, I love, I love all of that. I love the idea of setting the bar high. Um, because I know for me and for so many other people, it's, you definitely, I mean, you certainly think when you go into recovery, uh, you know, like the lights have gone out and there's no color on the walls anymore. And this is what I have to look forward to. But then you get to a certain point where, um, it's like, is this all there is? And no, no, there, there's never, that's never this all there, you know, that this is all there is. Like, I love the idea of setting the bar high. Yes. And, and I think that's, so that's important. And I think, you know, what I have found uh, in my personal experience is that yoga and meditation are an endless, deep mm. well of healing modalities, philosophies, that support a person who's subject to the human condition, which is everybody. Everybody, right. And so, you know, I just feel like people are going to have a better experience in life if they learn how to breathe well, if they keep their bodies moving and healthy, and particularly if they get involved in the mind-body practice that is yoga. And I, and I, and I say yoga in the broadest terms. It, it, these are practices that lead to oneness. These are practices that lead to a calm mind. These are practices that lead to a strong body, flexible but strong. And these are practices that create vitality and immunity. And these are practices that help us to change our emotional state. And these are practices that move us out of addiction. I try to tell everybody who will listen, um, if if you are on a path of recovery, please begin a practice of yoga and meditation you can spend the rest of your life working at it, and you'll, you'll have another community of people that you can tap into, all of whom are trying to just be better. Yes. To yes. Even, so the Recovery 2.0 mission is thread through with that idea. And um, all the lessons that I learned, which I didn't have before I reached those final bottoms, I got them from Guru Prem and from the teachings of yoga and meditation from mm-hmm. masters across the world and, and, and many sponsors and therapists and, and folks that be, became teachers in my life at one point or another. And they passed on the best practices, the, the, the sincere, real, true elements that you need in your life to reach sustainable long-term recovery and to be thriving. And so now Recovery 2.0, that's all we do is we pass on that information we create uh, online conferences. We have our seventh online conference coming up. Anybody who wants to check into that, it's all free, by the way. You just, uh, I'm going to let Holly, somewhere on this page is your, your, yeah, um, throw a link yes. your link. Right? So there's, there's a link on this page that can get you to that conference through Holly. And um, just register for the conference. It's five days. Each day we release five talks. And it's five interviews and presentations from people um, like Holly, like Meadow DeVore, like Gabor Mate, uh, like Nikki Myers, like Ralph Gates, like so many other people who have the most extraordinary experience, wisdom, strength, and hope to share. Um, and, and we release five videos a day for five days. Um, and it's, as I said, it's free to attend. And, and if people want to take those tapes home with them, uh, they have the option to buy those at the end of the uh, conference, which is, which is fine, but there's absolutely no pressure on that. It's, it's just something that has moved people. We get about 30,000 people each time uh, wow. coming in. Wow. It's, it's pretty incredible. It and, really uh, is. 
it's such a gift. It is such a huge gift. It I mean, the my names. Life. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Thank you so much. There was so, nothing like it. When I found it, I found you. I think your first time, was it on Entheos or no? Yeah, we. I had partnered with Brian over at Entheos, and we did our first one with those guys. And when was that? 2013 March. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, it was. It was such. It was just such a. Big, it was such a big deal to find something like that because, especially, I mean, a lot of stuff has happened in the last couple of years, but there Crazy. was when that came out. It was such a gold mine because there just wasn't. There wasn't. There wasn't. There wasn't enough stuff. There was nothing out there that I that I found that felt contemporary and that it was addressing this idea that holistic recovery is necessary. Well, thank you for saying that. I, there's there's very big plans coming up. I'll tell you about them if if you so if you care if you think the listeners would want to hear. I think we care. We care. Okay. We care. They care. Next year, uh, so every year we re- we have retreats. We take people to India. We take people to Costa Rica, and we take people across the United States for. Basically, these are spiritual immersions. It's recovery, yoga, meditation, health, and wellness. Uh, you always in a beautiful place. And so those, those retreats are ongoing and, and people can tap into those by going to recovery2.0.com. But what's coming up next year is we, we have decided to build an online library of teachings that is a membership-based community. So just think about uh, getting the best information, university level, uh, from experts in the field presented to you in video format that would not just be like classes and, and lectures and presentations, but also answers to specific questions in video format. For example, mm-hmm. let's say somebody's getting, they're in their first year of recovery and they want to stop smoking cigarettes. And so they, they're in our community and they say, Tommy, I, you know, I'm looking for something uh, that will allow me uh, or help me or, or help me to get you know, set up so that I can have the best possible success in trying to quit smoking in my first year of recovery. And so as a member of our community, I would say to them, oh, well, there are three videos we'd like you to watch. Here, here they are. And that'll be emailed directly to them so that they can access those videos right away and set themselves up with the best information for how to quit smoking in the first year of recovery and what to watch out for. Another example might be um, I'm in a breakup. Um, I'm in so much pain. I, 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 I don't know what to do. I've never felt anything like this before. Can you help me? Sure. I want you to watch this video by Nikki Myers on codependency or this video by Pia Melody on codependency or listen to this lecture by Tommy Rosen talking about relationships and what he went through. And these are going to help you to understand what you're dealing with. It'll connect you in with resources. It'll give you ideas, philosophies, and actual practices and tools you can apply right now today to move on from those issues. So it's literally trying to ask every answer, every human being's questions they might have about a particular question coming up for them on the path of recovery. It's also going to be um, a community. So we're going to be able to engage with each other online in very, very meaningful ways that I won't talk about now, but that will be um, evident and, and exciting for people next year when we launch in March wow. or April. So last thing I'd say about that is everything in our industry is expensive. Mm. So yes. <laughs> No, it's it's rehab is exp- unbelievably expensive. It's not even ex- expensive. Isn't even the right word. It's um, it's, right. un- it's yeah, it's inaccessible. Yeah, it's inaccessible. So, we thought we put all this information together. We thought we put all this information together, um, uh, and, and give people access to the community for ten dollars a month. 
freaking out. That, so oh that's God. it. You know, it's, it's year-round connection, year-round programs, year-round opportunities to connect. And, of course, we're, we're giving everybody, you know, discounts on all of our retreats, and, and you'll save hundreds oh, and thousands wow. of dollars. And, you know, it's just a, an opportunity to connect people from around the world who, who want to continue to move forward and get questions that they have answered. So that's what's coming next year. So exciting. Oh, so exciting. Life-changing, really, really. I mean, that's... Thank you. I'm, Thank you so I'm much. I'm grateful, grateful and excited. And how will awesome. we know to, how are we going to hear about this? How, are we gonna, how, yeah, how well, can we keep tabs on this? How can people you, follow you join the Join the community by signing up for my newsletter at recovery2.0.com. Uh, if you if you if you just simply Google recovery2.0.com, Google it, or uh, Google recovery2.0 conference, you'll get everything you need. You, and you'll that's be brought two into p o i n t, right? Two yeah, not the dot. If you're yes, exactly. If you're going to the website, it's the word recovery, the number two, p o i n t, the number zero dot com. Yeah. Recovery2.0.com, or Google it, and you'll find us. We'll, we'll hook it all up when we post this. Yeah. But okay. That's, Thank um, you girls so much. I'm really grateful to oh, you both. it's been such a great conversation. Yeah, this really is wonderful. Surprisingly wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. No, I thought, I think it's just great. I love where the conversation went. Um, I didn't get, I had so many questions I wanted to ask that I didn't get to ask, but also, um, we'll have to have you on again when we launch in March. I'd love it, Holly. Thank you. And thank you, Laura. Yeah. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks, Tommy. Right. Be well, you guys. Bye. Infinitely so